Hi, you're listening to Ready Layer One. It's a crypto podcast that focuses on the near ecosystem. This episode, Joe and I talked a little bit about what the Venn diagram of NFTs, DAOs, and community. And then Joe goes into some stuff about Pagoda, which doing research, there wasn't too much out there, but we sort of start to talk and speculate. And we end the podcast with discussing privacy on the blockchain and philosophically, if that's just always gonna be there, how it affects auctions, how it might potentially affect real estate nfts in the future uh thanks for listening and i hope you enjoy hey joe how are you hey jared what's going on nothing much man just had a pretty uh, exciting week on the near ecosystem yeah uh, a lot of stuff going on you know i've been seeing that there's uh, some trends happening on the near crypto twitter right and i like to try to gauge where the community is sort of senses at and right now there's a DAO NFT, like what is an NFT? What is the responsibility of an NFT? Actually, like what is an NFT? Yeah. Because we're such in an early space that I don't think there's really been a roadmap of a successful one. I mean, we see Ethereum, we see Solana, both taking slightly different routes. So what do you think could be the purpose of an NFT one, two, three years from now? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And I I like the thought of trying to compare it to other blockchains that have, you know, uh, been a little bit more popular already than near. And you can look at some of the different projects as a possible template. But I also think it also adds some confusion because if you look at what's been successful on Ethereum, there really isn't. I mean, you can start to pinpoint maybe why certain things have taken off at certain inflection points. But like there is no clear model. Solana, which is the one that Nier always gets compared to, because especially just because of the, some of the similarities of, you know, the concepts around the technology and then the, the community, a lot of the community coming from Solana to Nier. So you get a lot of those natural comparisons. But those projects are really hard to compare as well to Nier because they were still they were following more of that Ethereum model of a lot of PFP things. Uh, and starting to introduce some utility on Solana, but it was it's not quite the same. So the area of NFTs that's really interesting is this Venn diagram. Imagine, right? There's NFTs, then there's DAOs, and then there's mm-hmm. community. So if you mm-hmm. think of think of traditional like sort of Web two companies, instead of NFTs, you have shareholders. Instead of yep. DAOs, you have like kind of venture capitalists, like founders and stuff like that. And then instead of community, you have customers yep, um, or metrics, right? Like uh, how many sure. users, users yep. you could even call it, right? So yep. then you have Web3 and you have NFTs, which are like your shareholders-ish, you know, but and then DAOs, which is like an interesting whole concept that I think is just starting. Like I'm still trying to wrap my head around them. And then you have the community instead of the users, right? Like the, even that mind shift of like community versus user. Yeah. changes everything, changes the approach. And I don't know what that's going to do in the future, but I'm really interested to see, like, for instance, um, you've got Antisocial Ape Club. They're doing uh, their NFT and you can yeah. be part of that. But then they're going to start breaking off and doing other companies and secondary companies. So does having that original NFT give you access to that? Maybe, maybe not. Um, then Classy Kangaroo, they are doing um a, a meme coin right and so if you have a classic kangaroo you can mint then that meme coin nft so you get a little access right so yep. I, i'm just trying to figure out how much uh 
responsibility that a project has to NFT holders. My my first thought always is that I think by default, they have no further responsibility past what they sold you, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think, though, when you talk about building a brand or a community or anything else, it's like any other business. You know, if you are planning on doing an NFT project that you want to become your your job, you know, you want to work in web three, this is going to be a company that you are building off of, then you need to, as a project owner, treat it like that. And in that regard, then provide that larger roadmap, then provide here is clear details to what you're getting. Um, You know, like, so ASAC is a great one where they're being very clear that as a holder of one, you know, when they do these other companies, the subsidiaries of, you know, the main brand, you still have access to all of those things. Now, what you get on top of that besides access to whatever they build, whether it's, you know, revenue share or things like that, that I don't think that's been all planned out yet, obviously. But those are things that they'll just have to be clear on. They don't owe that to their holders, but that's a great benefit to their holders. And so that's where I think when you look at projects, it's so important to make sure that people who are running that project are clearly communicating, not just what the roadmap is, but like, what does the roadmap mean for you as the holder? Oh, absolutely. And like, you can see Mara's got like now multiple levels of NFTs. And I, I I listened to them in a a Twitter space and they're, that's going to be interesting to navigate, right? Like you got the gen zeros, which are way more higher floor price than the the gen ones will be right yeah however yep. a lot of people who got mara's got them for 10 near right like so it's or whatever the yeah the whitelist price was so this this concept of like how much do we deserve or or is required and um it's it's developing around us because yep. like you know when you invest in a a company in say you know irl in real life you know say you have those abilities i mean you're putting in x amount and there's a lot more there's term sheets there's a lot more around it yeah. With an NFT, it's like, okay, I, I uh, bought, I minted for 10 near $100. Like how much, is, you know, what's that value actually equal to me? Um, right. And, I, and I'm, at some point, I'm wondering if the community will expect too much, right? Like you've got these people who are building companies as an NFT holder. What's sort of like right for me to have access to? And that's what's going to be interesting. And I think Secret Skelly Society is doing some unique uh, structures around like the utopia coin and rewarding their skelly holders like that. Like you have a few projects all doing it slightly differently. Yeah. And I just don't know which one is going to be, if they all work maybe, or, you know, if down the road, it's like, okay, you give me an NFT. It's kind of like a Kickstarter. You get the one little thing that we promised you, but everything else with the company is like, you know, not part of the NFT. Yeah. I mean, so if we're going to be realistic about like what different projects are, You'd have to say, yeah, most of these, most of the time, it's going to be a Kickstarter type of thing. If the if the project continues to give you benefits, like that's incredible. And I just hope that they're doing it in a sustainable way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the reality of it is like if you raise, let's say, $200,000, you know, and you have a team of even if it's three of you or even if it's two of you, I mean, you know, what is really your runway with that amount of money, depending on what you build? Uh if 
it's something that you are trying to build. It's on the side uh, for you. It's not your main job. It's not something that takes 40 hours a week, um, you know, and you can do that, then sure, maybe your runway is very long. But all of that really uh, needs to be determined if you are investing based off of that notion. If you're investing because you, hey, I like the project, I want to support it. If I get a great return, awesome. If I don't, I don't. Um, sure, that's whatever. But if you really are trying to make sound decisions, you have to consider all of these things just like a regular business because at the end of the day, it is a regular business. You have to pay people to do work. You're going to have to pay for different services. Um, you know, things are just not free everywhere. Um, and so those are important considerations. 100%, man. And there's really, there's real venture capital coming into this space, right? Like, Absolutely. so you've got marketplaces coming out. And, uh, you know, you and I, we've been really heavy into talking marketplaces. And you've got Few and Far, which has venture funding, and they've raised money. You yeah. have Paraz, which I think that's how everybody says the name. This whole time I've been calling it Paris. Yeah, I think I think there's multiple episodes we called it Paris. But... <laughs> I think it's Paraz, which yeah. I mean, you know. Whatever. They they raised major money with their IDO, yeah. you know, like, and they probably have money pre to IDO as well. Sure. So you have sort of this traditional financing structure happening with companies and they're not doing NFTs. Right. And then you have NFTs that are a little bit more nimble and smaller. So it almost seems like the platforms are going to be that venture capital, but then like the dApps are going to be maybe NFT because it's a smaller ask for the amount of money you raise. Like, like you yeah. said, $200,000. That's not... You know, you start paying some devs, they, they're, they're real money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and the other challenges too is, so, you know, again, with near being so early and the logical thought is that it's going to, the, the value of one near is going to grow, right? And so right now it's around 10. So let's say it gets to even 50, right? I mean, that also changes what you have available to you. So, yes, maybe you only raised 200, but if you were able to hold most of that token raise, you know, then now all of a sudden you're at maybe a million, right? Because it went 5x. So, it, it's a tough thing to understand and to determine. And, you know, and again, like you have to kind of just be patient with a lot of this. But, I mean, I think the only advice I could ever say to someone is like, you know, in the realest sense, truly do your research, but research it in a way of not just like what the project is of like, who's involved, what, you know, what is the expected outcome and what am my value, what am I getting back in value as the holder? Because otherwise, you know, again, you're not necessarily owed anything once the, once they've sold you that initial NFT. Exactly. Uh, and there was a really good uh, Twitter. Com the Twitter community on Nier is pretty fire. I like them. Um, uh, there was a good conversation with a couple of people on uh, Twitter about like investing in NFTs and stuff. And really, NFTs are not they're high risk. They're yeah. like beyond high risk. They're like new. How do I want to describe this? They're like a new universe of investing. Like nothing like that has been done before. It's sort of this like trust based community like. That's why there's so many like rugs and soft rugs, you know, because sure, it's like sure. it's so easy to do something like that because you just basically say like, hey, I'm going to do an FT and then have like a six months of fake updates <laughs> talking about designers. 
and then people just get bored and move on and then they've been soft drug and they just kind of like they're mad yep. but you know hopefully you have gone past the hype cycle right yep. and i think we're going to see a lot of those i mean this week was a rug and talk about the near community i mean the rug that happened this week and i think it was a rug right it was at the uh near nodes yep that was a rug i mean talk about a community catching it pushing it and within minutes it was all over the space you know and like yeah. it's a, it's a bummer for people who got rugged it's just a horrible thing to do to people it's just not cool yeah but in this space you d- i would not be investing in nfts i wouldn't even almost call it investing i would call it like when you're going into an nft i, I look at all the nfts i've ever purchased as going to zero and if i'm okay with that i i purchase one yeah i mean that's the thing, right? I think, I think that's what we've both been saying for a few episodes now of like, it, you have to take the approach that yes, it's going to zero and you have to go into a project truly wanting to be part of that project in the good or bad, you know, that again, when we talked about like the difference between projects failing versus soft rugs and versus true rugs, like all of that stuff, I think it comes down to, you have to say, Am I willing to have spent this money to clearly have received this JPEG? (laughs) Yeah. If I'm okay with that, great. If I'm not okay with that, then I have to really be comfortable with what the project is doing, you know, and say, okay, I'm taking a shot. You know, it's just like a stock. It could go to zero. The biggest change here is that instead of it happening over a decade, it's going to happen over 60 days. Or 60 seconds. If or 60 you know, seconds. You right. know like right. that, that's really, and, and you know, because we don't give financial advice here. We're not doing any of that. It's do your own research. Um, you know, if the crypto space is still over, I mean, we've been in it for a good amount of time and it's always been wildly volatile and oh, yeah. heavily manipulated. And there's some like really smart people in it doing some moves that are not like a stock market and, you know, and so if you're at all in the crypto space, I mean, understanding your risk tolerance and also financial tolerance is like the most important two questions that I, I, I think to ask myself before I even put any money in, because you could put it in Bitcoin and just forget about it, Mm -hmm. Ethereum and forget about it, you know, Mm -hmm. things like that. Or you go to these next layers, like you start getting into like altcoins and stuff. That's already more risk. And then NFTs, it's just like, I don't know. I would never have if my if my friends were like, "What should I uh, buy?" I'd be like, "Not NFTs." Yeah, no. I mean that that that, that that's definitely not trap proper investing advice. No. You know, it's it's a hobby. It's fun. It's like you can buy, you know I could buy a new watch, or I could buy a bunch of NFTs and play around. You know, it's the same. It's a, it's a, I get a cool PFP. I get to be a part of a community. It's trading cards, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just it's it's the same idea. It is that you know. If if I'm a collector of trading cards, you know, uh, 98% of the cards I pull out of a pack are going to be worth pretty much nothing. And so, you know, that's the thing. But I'm doing it because, one, something might hit, and I like the thrill of that. I might find something great. And part of it also might just be the community, you know. Uh, and if you can get a good return on the value or you really believe in something, or like something like the bullish bulls where I can actually have access to software from it, you know, yeah. then, Hey, okay. All right. I've maybe, maybe it's paid for itself then because I just paid, you know, whatever the price was now for a subscription essentially. And 
great. So, I mean, it, those are the type of things I just, you can look out for and make a decision based off of those things, you know? Yeah, man, absolutely. It's, uh, a really cool space and I'll be super interested to see how it develops. And I'm starting to sort of be more engaged with the NFT projects that are thinking about this stuff, right. That are communicating, um, that are taking it to that next level. And that's cool to me. Uh, so I think let's switch this up a bit and get into something more near focus. So Pagoda, this has been, I mean, that, that ETH Denver, they, there was quite a presentation on it. This, from everything I can gather, I, I try to do some research. It's still a little bit hard to get too much. I saw a couple links we'll post of talks, but I couldn't find a ton on it. And I'm wondering, I found a slide, um, but I'm just curious what you think about it. Because this seems right up your alley. This feels very dev focused, a sub like a stack. Like, is this like the AWS? Like, what is this? Yeah, no, that, that that's, that's a great question. Um, so in Web2, especially I would say over the past decade, there has been a real push for tools to come out to accelerate development or to minimize essentially redoing some of the, the more basic but necessary tasks of uh, any kind of development, whether it's just a website or whether it was an actual like SaaS based product, you know, if you do whatever it might be, there's tons of tools out there now in the web two space to allow you to, to do these things quickly. Pagoda is the first real tool kind of platformy thing that I've seen for web three that allows you to do some of those same things. So it's not as simple as, um, you know, where like Squarespace's whole thing is anyone can build a website, right? You sign up for Squarespace and your grandmother can come on and make a website. That's their whole pitch, right? But here it's not, it's not like a Squarespace. You still need some coding knowledge. Uh, you still need to understand the platform and be able to develop. Um, but what it does is it takes out a lot of the stuff that be could become time consuming and redundant and really helps you focus on building the product that you want to build, not all the auxiliary stuff. So for example, uh, you know, if I knew, I want analytics about how my product is being used. Okay. Pagoda has that built into this platform. So when I build my smart contract, it's going to give me analytics directly without me building that tool. Okay, question. I'm jumping in here just because like this is yes, hyper complex. And I hope like someday I would love to just interview somebody on this team like and really like Absolutely. figure it out. Like, okay, so if a, if a dev is listening to this podcast and we're interviewing them, like these are the kind of questions I want to ask them, right? Okay. Like, so they're like Pagoda, is it more of like a concept than a singular thing? Like they're not only are they maybe their team building some things, but they're almost aggregating it all together and kind of collecting it. So when a developer team comes or developers like, Hey, I want to make something on near or, you know, or Aurora or whatever they, they want to do. They're like, here you go. Here's your access to everything that you need. Yeah. So it's more like, um, again, I, I guess it's, it's an accelerant to getting a project off the ground. Right. So in web three, really what you're, you're building two components usually you're building the smart contract that you that you want to 
do whatever it's doing, you know, and then you have probably some kind of UI layer on top of that. And, may, and maybe you're doing some other different things. And, and that's like the really simplistic way of thinking about it. So then from there, what Pagoda is doing is it's going to give you a way to write and deploy your contract right onto both testnet and mainnet on here. It allows you then to set up analytics around it. So you can actually, again, uh, get that insight to uh, how it's being used and all those different things. And then it also will provide alerting so that if there isn't, you know, all developers would need this, you know, if there is outages, if there are issues, if there is um, spikes in growth, things like that, things that you want to be aware of as a developer, then, you know, those are the type of things that this will then provide to you. Are they going to yep. have tools for marketing? So Joe, something about crypto that I think is wildly important, but hard to quantify is like the community building community aspect, the marketing, right? Yeah. Like, because it's such a new space, you need so many really smart, talented devs to create stuff. There's yeah. a, there seems to be a miss of community, go to market people and marketing from what I've seen. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm in marketing in a tech company, right? Like a web two right. tech company, I'm in marketing. So I'm, I'm watching this and I see what we go through to get products out and all that and the campaigns around it and the process of content creation. Um, and I yeah. find that that's one of the weaker spots with a lot of projects. And building community, I'm not just talking about like being hyper positive about a project. I mean, the true engagement. Yeah. Um, I, I go to my discords. I've got 50 plus discords of NFT projects I'm part of. 90% are crickets now after the grinding for whitelist right so how do you keep up that and is it discord or is it a bunch of different options so will pagoda have something like that where we start getting into because they have marketing up there on one of their boxes is yeah. that going to be something they're going to be like okay here's a suite of marketing products as well that you can incorporate or is that not really a pagoda thing and that's more of like a down the road um i i don't know for sure what their thoughts are you know what comes to mind are you know again so borrowing from the web 2 model of you know so you necessarily maybe you can email you know you can't always necessarily email people so you have their their email address but having maybe some way to communicate with your holders you know so if you do an nft you know how do you reach those people um when everyone's anonymous so i don't know if they're trying to build tools around that uh, because traditionally, again, in Web2, you would have an email platform so I can follow up and send newsletters and things like that. Maybe it's the same idea here um, would be a thought. They're allowing, obviously, for NFTs, not just as a way to you know raise funds, but also probably as promotional items and things like that. Uh, you know, it's giving you that suite of being able to, you know, uh, do all the things that you want to do with a project in one place. So it's also like, how do I start my DAO? I can do it right there in Pagoda. You know, uh, you know, do I need to set up some new wallets, you know, for this project? Okay, I can do that right in Pagoda. Okay, real quick. So I'm jumping in on the DAO thing. So with, sorry, I, I, I this is, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just trying to, okay, so you've got the Pagoda, the DAO. So there's Astro DAO. So would Pagoda have its own DAO structure or would Pagoda then incorporate Astro DAO or like, collect these things, right? Collect all these assets because it seems like it's going to be 
almost like a universe of assets to create something. Yeah, I think anything that's under like the, you know, larger near umbrella already would probably just be fit into this, right? So um, is Astrodow part of that or is it its own thing? Is Astrodow part of what? Sorry, like the near umbrella. I thought Astrodow, isn't that the uh, near knots thing? Or is Astrodow? No, Astrodow is something completely different. It might be part of the near products. Yeah, so if, if it's under that, yes, power. I mean, I think it might be part of that. So like, so they would then say, okay, you know, uh, you can access the AstroDAO platform directly from Pagoda. Like, so, you, you know, it would just get you set up. And what it would do is it would take all the details that you need, right? So think of it like this. Where now, like, you maybe have to go into AstroDAO, you got to set up the DAO, you got to import, you know, all the holders and say what contract this is tied to, all that stuff. Pagoda takes all of the details already and says, all right, oh, you already sold all these NFTs? Okay, you already did this, you already did that. We're going to pull all that data together. And now you want to open your DAO, here it is. And it's just, it's going to it's gonna simplify all of that and take out those extra steps of work and combine that. So from a tooling aspect, I'm going to, again, this is speculation because we, we don't know, we don't have full answers yet from them. Yeah. But anything that is kind of under that near umbrella, whether it was sponsored by near initially to get built, whether near has some kind of quasi ownership over it, whatever it might be, I think is all going to eventually be under this Pagoda platform as a tool option. And then, you know, from there, I'm sure there'll be other things that they'll start to integrate with as well. But th that that's, I think, where the, the natural progression would go. Cool. It'll, it'll be really, I mean, how would you think Pagoda's in such early stages? Because I've, you know, they're talking about it. There's some, Nier's got some major, every time I hop in some of those like town halls, there was a, yeah. there was one, uh, you know, webcast I jumped in on. I was like, oh, wow, there's like validators on this talk in high level questions. Yeah. I mean, P Pagoda is it's definitely obviously, it's, it's super early. Like, like most, you can, you can log in. If you're a developer, you can log in, you can create an account, you can log in, you can play with it. Um, half the buttons don't work yet. It says just like coming soon. Um, you can only deploy to testnet, but you can try out some of the features. So it's definitely worth checking out if you are a developer and just get a sense of what it could be. Uh, there's a great blog post that kind of talks about what their dream is for it. And, and I think that is a really good thing to kind of go through as well uh, for developers who are interested. Nice. I think that's a good place to sort of like wrap it up on that Pagoda talk. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be more to come down the road. Another topic I want to talk about is the idea that everything is like visible on the blockchain. Yeah. So how do auctions and NFTs develop like today? Yeah, for what they are, not a big deal. But say in a few years, real estate, big projects, big numbers are done with NFTs that involve secrecy of final prices and auctions. Yep. Uh, because there was a uh, Mara up for auction and the bid that won was just outside of the amount I could have done. And you could have looked at my wallet and known. I don't know if they did or not, but you know, you could see right. that level. What happens when there's a house? Because I also, you know, I, I'm in that space a little bit. And when, you know, you put in offers, you don't, you can't, I can't go see everyone's wallet offer that's throwing right. in an offer. So how, right. how, how does that even work? Like how does, and I'm like one, one other level is on privacy is like when, you know, you see some of these NFTs give out prices and it's a Google doc and it's like, there's my wallet with everyone else's wallet. We can all see each other's wallets. Right. It's kind of wild. 
Yeah, the 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 radical transparency that comes um, with the blockchain is certainly a a large change in mindset for a lot of different things that maybe you do, uh, and even where people who are using multiple wallets, um, and you know, you're, maybe whether you're using burners or you just want to kind of divvy up stuff, you could still, with a couple of steps, put the pieces together of who has what and all that stuff. So the challenge definitely becomes, from a product standpoint, if you want to do these things that involve some level of, I want, to, I mean, I guess privacy, but really some secrecy uh, in order to promote fairness, then, you know, those tools really need to be built around how do you protect the people who are bidding? How do you protect those people who are contributing yet not validate the the principles of the blockchain right yeah there's like the principle of blockchain right so maybe i don't know i don't know if there's a way around or if there should be a way around it like maybe this full radical transparency is just ride it and see what comes out of it so yeah i mean one of the things though you could which I'm surprised we haven't seen anything do it yet, but like from an auction standpoint, you know, if you hide who's betting, you know, who's bidding, uh, you could certainly help with some of that, right? So if you're the highest bidder, but nobody knows what your what that wallet is is actually being bidding bid on, you just know what the price is, like that helps some of that, right? And that doesn't, again, that doesn't really validate the principle of that. You just the auction house knows who it is. But the other person who are who are bidding don't know what that wallet is, and so they can't check it. They just know that this is bidder number one who has put X amount of near up. That's one way to kind of solve that. But then as you start to go deeper and it's starting to go into more, you know, uh, different types of products that maybe involve that, sometimes just the secrecy isn't enough. So that would be a challenge. Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. It's 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 pretty interesting concepts. This is what I'm like. I look at this whole crypto space as like just a really interesting place to start up explore. Like in our lifetime, yeah. have we had really anything new technologically developed? I don't know. So, Joe, this has been a great pagoda conversation. A little bit of the future NFT, but really excited for next week's podcast. We're doing a whole marketplace rundown with the uh, the number of marketplaces coming out. Yeah, I mean, huge number of marketplaces coming down the pipeline here the next few months. And I think it's a good time to uh, go through all the different options that are coming out and talk through that. Absolutely. Especially because something happened this week with one marketplaces, right? Someone kind of didn't do an audit and some people lost some NFTs. Uh, yeah, there was a, a major exploit and one that just launched. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll spend some time talking about that too next week. I'm very glad. Yeah, that'll be good, man. All right, man. Great talking to you, Joe. All right, good talking to you. Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. Or otherwise, based on any of the information presented in this podcast, without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory.